Okay, hello everybody. Today is Friday, another Anything Goes Friday. Welcome to the show. And I have a couple of announcements before we begin. The first is that the Long Island Serial Killer episodes on this show have been assembled into a playlist, and it is part of an ongoing series, so there will be more episodes added to this in the near future. But yeah, you can listen to them all in order if you haven't heard all the episodes yet. Everything that has been done about the Long Island Serial Killer is in that playlist. And also, another big announcement. On the weekends, I'm going to try and put out a new series called Zodiac Killer Debunked, where I talk about genuine cases where I do not believe a suspect is the Zodiac Killer and all the reasons why. They're going to be very short episodes, but those will be coming out on Saturdays and Sundays, and I will uh, talk about that more at a future date. And, of course... You can always download the audio of this program for free at Launchpad One. It is the user-generated affiliate of Podcast One, and the link to that is in the description box. One more time, Launchpad One. It's under the same name, Black Box Online Radio, but the link is in the description box. That is the easiest way to navigate and to find it. And of course, I'm also the host of Astro Psych 400. It's a 12-part video series here on YouTube. And you can listen to that. I talk a lot about the Zodiac Killer on this channel. So I got very curious about Zodiac signs and decided to do something about astrology. And another great way to support the channel, in, in addition to just listening to some content, is to go over to Amazon.com and look at a copy of Killer on a White Horse, the novel by me. It is a murder mystery, totally fictional, but that's in the description box as well. Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned DeHaan. And there's always the Teespring page. Remember, being weird is not a crime. Today I'm continuing with the Long Island serial killer. But last time I was talking about the murder of Jessica Taylor, which occurred most likely on or about 2003. Okay, I wanted to do um, an episode on two unconfirmed victims in the Long Island serial killer mystery that I briefly mentioned in the Jessica Taylor episode. And they are Cherry's Jane Doe and Peach's Jane Doe. Jessica Taylor was murdered by the Long Island serial killer, and her body was dismembered, mutilated, she was even decapitated, and her remains were scattered. But the thing that stood out to me was, she had a tattoo that said Remy's Angel and had um, angel wings, and it was very badly mutilated, although you could still easily recognize it if you were familiar with her. But Cherry's Jane Doe and Peach's Jane Doe are still unidentified victims, yet they had tattoos that were not mutilated. And I wanted to do an episode that would focus on some of the activities of the Long Island serial killer, but I can't just yet because as I was reading up on the victims, and first, can I just give a quick interjection? It really is um, a case where you have the victims are telling the story as opposed to one where you focus only on the suspects. The victims are really the ones who are sharing all the evidence and all the theories. And I think that it's very good in terms of um, remembering those who were lost in this absolutely vicious and tragic story as opposed to just zoning in on suspects who may or may not have anything have had anything to do with the mystery at all. So um, I was reading up on this, and I found that I had to talk about the murder of Valerie Mack first. And there's a very big reason why. To help us out, I would actually like to go over to a website called Philly Voice News. I've never used this one before, but uh, just citing the source. And this article was written by Michael Tannenbaum. 
So let's um, have a read here, and then we'll go through some of this. The remains of a person believed to have been killed by the notorious Gilgo Peach Killer in New York has been identified as a Philadelphia woman who was last seen in 2000, Suffolk County Police announced in 2020. Valerie Mack was 24 years old when her family had contact with her last in Port Republic, New Jersey during the spring of 2000. She was an escort whose last known address was in Philadelphia, where she sometimes used the name Melissa Taylor. Uh, it's important to say that she has no relation to Jessica Taylor, the other Long Island serial killer victim. If anything, that just appears to be a pure coincidence. Valerie Mack was 5 feet tall and weighed approximately 100 pounds, but was never reported missing. And I think I have a reason why. I mean, I can only speculate, but there might be something that I'll share later on in the episode. In the months after Valerie Mack's disappearance, her naked torso was found in the area near Halsey Manor Road in Manorville, New York. The rest of her dismembered remains were found in 2011 along Ocean Parkway in Long Island, where several of the unknown serial killer's other victims have also been found. And I think it was in the Long Island Press where I read this interesting thing about the um, way that the killer scattered Valerie Mack's remains. There is much, there is as, as much as 40 miles in between the dump sites. Someone not only dismembered Valerie Mack's body, as well as decapitating her and mutilating her, but then they went 40 miles in another direction to discard parts of her remains. What on earth is going on with that? An enormous amount of effort has gone to the disposal, but then you look at the other Long Island serial killer victims like the Gilgo Four, who were placed into burlap sacks or simply just buried at the beach. Very, very different types of crimes, and I do um, lean more toward what somebody proposed, that this could all be one serial killer. The authorities seem to think that these are these are confirmed to have been done by the same person, and that someone is going through an enormous amount of effort to dismember the bodies, transporting them 40 miles and discarding parts of their remains. I repeat, parts of their remains. But they get so confident, they're like, I don't need to go through all that effort. And they're just going to do something that is simpler and less time-consuming, burying the bodies in the ground. As disgusting as that sounds, and I do mean that, it's an absolutely disgusting, disgusting person who's doing this. And I hate referring to people as monsters, but these crimes are monstrous. And when you look at some of the photos of Valerie Mack, in many of them, she looks like a child. I know she was 24 when she went missing, but she there's just something that is so childlike about her. It's like, what kind of sick person does this to people? Prior to the identification, which was made using genetic genealogy testing, Mack had been identified as Manorville Jane Doe and then later on Jane Doe number 6. The Gilgo Beach Killer, sometimes called the Long Island Serial Killer, is suspected of murdering eight women, one man, and a two-year-old child. Now, it's important to talk about the two-year-old child because um, she is often referred to as Baby Jane Doe. Baby Jane Doe was found very close by to Valerie Mack's body. Valerie Mack is often referred to as Jane Doe number 6 in many of those illustrations. And when you just look at a chart of the Long Island area near Gilgo Beach, you can see, yes, indeed, Baby Jane Doe is very close by to Valerie Mack's body. And I began to think, um, 
well, how close by were these two bodies buried exactly? And it says 0.4 miles in most of the illustrations. But I, I'm really not a math person, so I don't know this stuff off the top of my head. So I decided to put that into uh, Google, and it turns out that's just around 600 meters. 600 meters. That's like six football fields. I know that would be 600 yards, but thereabouts. That is actually somewhat of a substantial distance. It depends on what your definition of close by is. But the more vital component of that is that Baby Jane Doe was not the biological child of Valerie Mack. Baby Jane Doe was the biological child of Peaches Jane Doe. Both the mother and the child have not been identified. And somebody wrote a piece online. I don't even remember where it was from or else I would cite the source. But they suggested that this is evidence that there are multiple killers involved in the Long Island serial killer mystery. And the reason for that is that who is going to go to the effort of transporting Valerie Max remains 40 miles in another direction only to bring somebody else's remains 600 meters away? I mean, like, who's going to do that? What's the point of scattering people's remains if then you're just going to concentrate all, all the majority of your victims in one place? Like, what is the point? What benefit does this serve? And this would be the creation of a serial killer graveyard. And maybe if the person didn't go to any effort to scatter the remains of the victims, you could be like, all right, well, um, they obviously just had a serial killer graveyard. They were using a place that they thought no one would find. But then someone found it. Someone found it um, after the death of Shannon Gilbert. So you could make that case, except for the fact that someone has definitely tried to hide the remains of Jessica Taylor, hide the remains of Valerie Mack. And Baby Jane Doe, Peaches Jane Doe, and Cherry's Jane Doe are all unidentified victims. So it really could go either way. There could be multiple killers, but once you have a multiple killers theory, there are two things that happen. Number one, they are connected. And it's like there is this type of thrill-kill club, thrill-kill partnership, where two people are committing the murders together. Or you simply have to deal with the fact that people are murdered. Sometimes their bodies are disposed of, and perhaps people are using this as a convenient site because it's near a place where people have lots of money, they can attract escorts from the city, they're murdered, their bodies are disposed of, and over the decades, I repeat decades, then some of the murdered victims just happen to be concentrated in the same area. Yes, of course, the Gilgo Four would have been killed by the same people. But maybe somebody like Baby Jane Doe was not killed by the same person. Just for that, that would be like exactly what that person's theory was. I, I really wish I remember who they were or else I would uh, give them you know, credit for that. But I'm being clear, that was not my theory. They're saying you know, who would make such a big effort to hide Valerie Max remains only to concentrate all the victims in one place. And I agree that that makes no sense, except for the fact that the Long Island serial killer has never been captured. That's another big point. But if you were just to present me with all of this info, would I say that it was one serial killer? Looking at those four victims that we've been talking about, Jessica Taylor, Valerie Mack, Peaches Jane Doe, and um, Cherry's Jane Doe, as well as Baby Jane Doe, of course, because even as a child, I think there's some different ways that the serial killer would approach the victims. All four of those victims were dismembered, mutilated, 
and decapitated. Their heads were cut off. The more I talk about this, the more um, um, unsettling it is. Absolutely. But that's what happened to them. So I would say absolutely it's the same person. But the authorities already know more than us. They always know more than us. The authorities always hold things back that they don't want to reveal to the public because it would could compromise their investigations. And they are viewing Cherry's Jane Doe and Peach's Jane Doe as well as baby Jane Doe as unconfirmed victims. But it definitely seems like if you had one serial killer, he was targeting women around 4 foot 11, 5 feet inches tall like the way Valerie Mack was. And in the earlier years, he was cutting up their bodies, dismembering them, and scattering their remains. And one of you guys left a comment on a previous um, Long Island Serial Killer episode on this channel, just providing an explanation that this person may have just become so confident in their ways that they're like, oh, well, I don't have to do this anymore. I've been going through all this effort to hide the remains of victims, yet I haven't been caught. I'm just going to bury them in the ground from now on. And that led to the discovery of the Gilgo 4, yet the Long Island serial killer was still never captured. But um, the person could have simply just changed their pattern. They could have just changed the way that they dispose of the bodies for convenience. And I still have yet to read my own original observation in a source, and I said it last time, but I'll say it again anyway, that there um, could be some declining testosterone with this guy. If it is a single perpetrator, then he, the older that he gets and over a 15-year period, he is just becoming less agile, less motivated, and less of a desire to go through these crimes of rage and passion with serial killers. They don't just turn 18 and then they just keep killing until they're dead, maybe once in a blue moon or something. But most serial killers have a period of activity. Some people call it a reign of terror. When they start killing, maybe even the first time, it's not even a planned murder, but the exhilaration is so intense that they keep killing. And then, usually in their early 40s or thereabouts, they have a decline in testosterone, and that um, demotivates them from committing these types of crimes regularly. And then they recognize, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get caught. I'm not as sharp as I was. I'm not as agile. I'm not as strong as I was. If I keep doing this, I'm going to get caught. So that's why many serial killers will stop killing Predatory instincts overtakes their um, desire to bring harm to people. I would now like to go over to an article from Fox 5 New York, and this was written by Michael R. Sisak, talking about the murder of Valerie Mack. Valerie Mack went missing in September of 2000. Some of her remains were found in Gilgo Beach in 2011. Those remains were finally identified in 2020, a woman whose skeletal remains were found in a suburban New York area near a beach highway in an area where body parts of 10 other people were found. And she has been identified as a Philadelphia escort who went missing two decades ago, the police said on Thursday. Suffolk County police said the woman was previously known as Jane Doe Number 6, and she was, a, she was identified through genealogy. Determining the victim's identity has brought clarity to a long-running mystery in Long Island that attracted national headlines and was featured on true crime TV shows and a recent Netflix film was made about the subject. For two decades, Valerie Mack's family and friends were left searching for answers 
and while this is not the outcome they wanted, we know that there can be some hope and some sense of peace and closure. So, um, they go on for there for a second, but I really think that peace and closure are very far away because the Long Island serial killer has not been apprehended, but also, I do think that there is somewhat of a chance for hope, or there's something that you can be hopeful about, and that is that perhaps in our lifetime we will find out who committed these crimes based on the advancements in forensic technology and um, noticing that the um, there are definite similarities between a lot of these crimes and people suspected that there was a serial killer operating in this area well before the discovery of the Gilgo before and well before the uh, disappearance of Shannon Gilbert. They were calling the serial killer the Manorville Butcher in the newspapers. It was a possible serial killer, but like they're saying that there's a high chance that there's a Manorville Butcher going around. And indeed, it seems like there was. Valerie Mack was born in 1976, two days shy of the U.S. Bicentennial on July 2nd and she was 24 years old when she disappeared. She was never reported missing. I will just uh, give uh, my two cents on that subject now. Valerie Mack was living with a boyfriend at the time. It's possible that she left her family on her own accord. I mean, I'm just speculating here. And that she wanted to go to Philadelphia to be an escort, or she had moved someplace where she was planning on being an escort for either a short amount of time or maybe a more extended amount of time to earn money. Maybe she was coming back, maybe she wasn't, but she was never reported missing because perhaps she left her family on her own free will, and her boyfriend may have been doing something illegal in his own world, and he didn't want the police to uncover something. Who knows what that could have been? I don't even know the guy's name, but I'm just trying to think, why wouldn't somebody report their girlfriend missing? So the only thing I could think of is he didn't want to compromise something illegal that he had been doing. Valerie Mack's remains were found two places, more than 40 miles apart and a decade apart. In 2000, Manorville, in 2000, in Manorville, near where the Long Island splits into two forks, and in 2011, near Gilco Beach, where the remains of other women were found. Most of them were young and worked as prostitutes. Valerie Mack is the second person whose remains were found at the beach and also in Manorville. Police found the skull of Jessica Taylor, a 20-year-old, woman who disappeared in 2003 near Gilgo Beach and the rest of her body in a wooded area in Manorville. The 2010 disappearance of Shannon Gilbert, a 24-year-old sex worker who vanished after leaving a client's house on foot in the seafront community of Oak Beach triggered the hunt that exposed the larger mystery. And that is definitely true, but when you look at the similarities of the crimes between Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack, this serial killer had an M.O. They had a type of woman they were targeting, uh, petite women, about, as I said, four foot eleven, five feet tall, in that range. Some, but an, an inconsistency with the Long Island serial killer is this person is going after Caucasians, African Americans, Latinas, perhaps even men, if that Asian male. Um, I don't know too much about his physicality. And I believe that baby Jane Doe may have been murdered simply because she was just present near her mother at the time of her mother's murder. So this person really isn't going after a particular physical feature of women other than the fact that they all seem to be somewhat uh, petite and small in size. So 
I would also like to um, reinforce a point about how the authorities hold back information. In the same article from Fox 5, they talk about a particular item that was left behind, and the police revealed a previously unreleased photograph of a belt with two initials on it. It is a black leather belt with either an HM or a WH, depending on the angle, and they say that it was handled by an unknown suspect. I was also reading an article from ABC7 News that said that the authorities made a comment that they thought that the killer had handled the belt, and then they just said they were not going to discuss anything else about that. And I want to know two things. Do they possibly have the fingerprints of the Long Island serial killer? And number two, do they possibly have touch DNA from the killer? And they must know a little bit more about that belt. And I don't think it's so much about how you have this H&MWH initials, and these are the initials of the killer. It says handled by the killer, not an item that belonged to the killer. So that just that's why I'm starting to think about something related to touch DNA or fingerprints. And I would just like to uh, conclude the article. Using DNA, investigators created a genealogy profile for the remains, leading them to the possible relatives who provided DNA samples. And we will continue to use every investigative tool aggressively to investigate these murders, said a spokesperson for the police department. And as you can see, the authorities are being somewhat relentless in their search for um, the Long Island serial killer. However... If anybody would like to get a very solid timeline of the case, they can go over to the website gilgocase.com, and you can actually even um, search by year for the different um, aspects of the Long Island serial killer mystery, gilgocase.com. Very informative website. And the section they have on Valerie Mack here is, On November 19th, 2000, the torso of a woman was discovered by hikers in the Long Island Pine Barrens area in Manorville. The torso was found wrapped in garbage bags and dumped in the woods near Halsey Manor Road. She was named the Manorville Jane Doe on April 4th, 2011. So all right, I know you guys heard that, but I just want to say it again. November 19th, 2000 to April 4th, 2011. I mean, it's nearly 11 years more than a decade apart, and I know that this is a widely established fact, but that just goes to show you that this person's plan of dismembering the bodies and hiding them in different places, it seemed to work. Whatever this killer has done, it seemed to work. August 4th, 2011. A skull, a pair of hands, and a right foot were found in a plastic bag near Ocean Parkway on Gilgo Beach. These remains would be designated as Jane Doe number 6 until being linked by DNA to the Manorville Jane Doe, and that means recognizing that they are the same person, and in May of 2020, the police announced that they had identified the Manorville Jane Doe as Valerie Mack, age 24, born July 2nd, 1976. Now, there's an interjection between the discovery of Valerie Mack and the discovery of Jessica Taylor. This was on November 23rd, 2000, and... I, was, I, w I wasn't even sure if I was going to read this off, but because it is on the timeline, and you'll see why. November 23rd, 2000. Not officially linked to the Long Island serial killer, but hunters found the body of a whiter Hispanic man in the woods off the eastbound side of the Long Island Expressway near Exit 68 in North Shirley. The victim had black hair and was wearing blue and white striped 
cap boxer shorts. His age was estimated to be between 30 and 45. He was 5 foot 6 to 6 feet tall, and he weighed 130 to 150 pounds. A surgical staple was noted embedded in his chin, and he had multiple traumatic injuries, including a crushed larynx, implying that he was strangled. I mean, that is a crime that took place in the area, but it seems like a drastically different crime. I think the only way that could possibly be linked is that surgical staple, indicating that um, you actually do have a doctor that is running around committing these crimes, and a lot of people do believe that, but here's something to remember. Anytime you have a case that deals with dismemberment and decapitation, in medical schools, they do not teach people how to decapitate patients because decapitation is not a medical procedure. So that would go against this, but, well, um, let's just keep going here. July 26, 2003, the naked and dismembered torso of a female was found, missing its head and hands, and it was discovered in Manorville, New York. A tattoo on her back had been mutilated. The victim was identified seven months later as Jessica Taylor, age 20, after detectives released photos of her tattoo. As I've always insisted, whoever tried to mutilate that tattoo must have been doing that just for the sake of wasting their energy. Anybody could easily recognize that wasn't um, completely mutilated, as well as the fact that, um, as well as the fact that if this person is going to such a great length to dismember her body, they could have removed the tattoo completely. They, the tattoo could have been cut off. I, it's something that I've um, not really been able to put into words too well, but it almost seems like that tattoo was mutilated just out of rage, especially for the fact that Jessica Taylor's um, angel wing on the tattoo, I know it says Remy's angel, but the angel wing is still somewhat intact. It's almost as if somebody was just very angry when they saw that tattoo. Maybe it reminded them of something whether it was um, something angelic or the name had a certain significance to them, but it's definitely not a successful way of hiding it. And um, on May 9th, 2011, a skull and a pair of hands and a forearm were found on March 29th at Gilgo Beach. They were matched to Jessica Taylor. And one more time, gilgocase.com, and anyone can go there if they would like to read a full timeline. But there is this uh, section here that says notes about the timeline. Cases that are not officially linked to the Long Island serial killer are noted, and they are colored in blue. More detailed information about the specific victims can be found on a victims page. So, um, very nice to uh, have all of that written out. And let's do just that. Jump over to their Valerie Mack page. Valerie Mack was also known as Jane Doe Number 6. Valerie Mack was last seen by her family in the spring or summer of 2000 in the area of Port Republic, New Jersey. She was never listed as a missing person. Her last known address was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and she had been working there as an escort. She used the name Melissa Taylor. Valerie was a white female with brown hair and hazel eyes, five feet tall, weighing 100 pounds. On November 19, 2000, her body was discovered off of Halsey Manor Road, and on April 4, 2011, a skull, hands, and a right foot were located. We've got that. And um, she was identified on May 22nd of 2020. And um, first, um, they connected her um, DNA to the Manorville Jane Doe's remains, and they realized this is the same person, and then they were able to identify her as Valerie Mack. And at this time, I would just like to ask you guys that challenge question one more time, something that's ongoing, but how do you account for all the differences in the Long Island serial killer mystery? Some victims are buried, some victims are dismembered.
Some victims are mutilated, some victims are not. Some victims have their tattoos cut up, other victims do not. Some victims are... We have one child, we have an Asian male, and the rest are women. How do you account for all of these differences? Do you think that it's somebody who is killing because of opportunity? And there is a single perpetrator? Or do you think that this is a group of people who are um, more or less just not following the law, that are breaking the law because they can get away with it, and this just happened very frequently in the Long Island community? Something to the effect of, a thrill-kill club, or that maybe even what somebody said in one comment, it's almost like snuff pimping, where they would use people like Michael Pack, the driver, to procure escorts for them, and they're murdering them as this type of power-tripping uh, frenzy, or that some of these murders are even filmed and they're making snuff films and such. What do you think is happening? It's absolutely perplexing. But the authorities do seem rather confident that there are certain links among several of the victims. And it's just that. They found a serial killer graveyard. The uh, notion of dismembering the remains and scattering them around, it seemed to have bought the killer some time. And I was also reading one page. Oh, what was the guy's name? Joseph Giacloni. Um, he posted some challenge questions about the Long Island serial killer. And one of them was... Why didn't the Long Island serial killer get captured? And like many other unsolved serial killer mysteries, he provides uh, these explanations. What's your response to this? He died. He's already dead. Number two is he's in jail for some unrelated charge. Number three, he left the state of New York. Number four, he um, stopped killing and resumed normal life. And... I tend to think that it would be number four, if anything, with this, only because we have uh, no evidence to suggest that this person has been placed in custody. Serial killers do often just cease activity. I mean, a prime example of this is the Golden State Killer, someone who had years of activity, and then he just stopped and resumed his normal life. And um, many people think that the Long Island serial killer is either a doctor or a police officer, someone who has a high intensity of familiarity with procedures, and that he would just resume that career in law enforcement or a medical profession. Even if he's an architect or something like that, then he would just resume that profession, and he's not going to leave the state immediately after the discovery of some of the remains, only because he um, doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Hiding in plain sight, so to speak, serial killers also tend to do that. So why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been captured? I think simply that um, someone was committing crimes for a while, and I can't say that there's enough evidence to support any type of thrill-kill club or the snuff film uh, circuit, but you, it begs the question, why are there all these differences? Was someone just full of rage in their mid-twenties, like they started committing murders at the age of 25 or 26, and then they're just hacking these bodies to, to, to pieces, literally and metaphorically, and then by the time they turn 38 or 39, they're like, I'm not doing that anymore, and they resorted to another method of disposal? Maybe. But what do you think about the Long Island serial killer? And please weigh in on anything. And I think that if we can all agree on one thing, it seems like there was one killer who committed both the murders of Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack. And so there definitely does seem to be a, a single serial killer operating in Long Island. But 
what, I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. You can always write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com, and you can follow the show on Facebook at blackboxonlineradio. My personal Facebook is also in the description box. And I will see you over on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.